facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Now they begin to see that religion and love are really combined. Why is it, for example, they speak of our love? Our love. As if it were something outside of both. As if it were more than the addition of the love of the thou and the I. Why do they speak of this curious thing, our love, if it be not a reflection of the divine love of the triune God where there is the lover, the beloved, and love? Why is it that they see in the springtime, in the birds, and in the autumn, in the waterfalls, in the moon and the stars, telltales of love, everything seems to speak to them, if it be not because only lovers understand that God, the Creator, made everything in this world out of love. Welcome to the Kale Clark Show. Wow, wow, wow. It is Brooke Taylor back with you, filling in for Kale, starting off there. What a truth bomb, Venerable Fulton Sheen. The theme is courtship and a fantastic sermon, really, as life is worth living and, and that theme that he speaks about just a clip there and really the topic for today's show it sounds a little old-fashioned maybe when you hear about it and some would say an outdated premise courtship but au contraire there is a new book that does a tremendous job of litigating the case for pursuing a spouse through pure and holy courtship and that's what we're going to talk about today courtship of the saints how the saints met their spouses it is an upcoming release by patrick o'hearn published by tan books also want to mention later in the program kendra turney will also be here and just a programming note if you heard yesterday originally sean patrick flannery was scheduled to join us today he's the star of that new film nefarious he plays the lead character edward but he will be on tomorrow. So just a little move the segment to tomorrow on Wednesday, switch there. But evidently, we still have a lot of Irish guests. We have Kendra Turney with us today. And of course, Patrick O'Hearn. And today is the Feast of St. Mark. Next week is May. We usher in a new month, May 1st on Monday. And it's one of two months dedicated to the Blessed Virgin Mary, with the other being October. So we're going to talk about that. Kendra is the founder of Catholic All Year. She's the author of a book of the same name and suggestions of how to make the most of these days, the spring, the feast days, and celebrate the liturgical season in the home. So from courtship to marriage, family, feast days, we've got a lot to cover today. So let's get right to it. Courtship of the Saints, How the Saints Met Their Spouses is a book that Father Chad Rippiger says, I think will help a lot of people. That's a quote, an endorsement on the book and much needed in our world now more than ever. So delighted to be joined by the author, Patrick O'Hearn. Welcome to the show, Patrick. Hey, Brooke. It's a pleasure to be here. Likewise, and, and thank you for, for fitting us in. Thank you for this topic. Again, the book is about courtship how the saints met their spouses. But I guess let's begin there, that word courtship. I think we need to define what that means today. And and what's the difference between courtship and dating and how you intend our readers to interpret it? Yes, I, I, in the beginning of my book, I say that, you know, courtship, it carries a sense of mystery and valor, like a knight clad in armor, rescuing a distressed maiden from the looming unhappy arranged marriage. And and it has this, you know, courtship goes all the way back. It's very biblical. And 
and and the whole purpose of the difference I see in courtship and dating and, and how courtship has kind of become more resurrected, I would say, is because people are unhappy with dating. And we see um, the fact that the unhappy marriages that are going around and what the, the main difference I see is courtship looks to heaven and looks to, you know, trying to marry, find that spouse that's going to help you become a saint. And on the other hand, dating is more, it's focused on the externals, you know, what, what someone looks like or how much money they have. And so I kind of set that up in, in the first chapter of my book, just the difference between the two of those. Yeah, I want to read, even in the introduction, it's so good. I wish I could just, we could do a read aloud because the whole book is just so solid and bullseye truth. But right in the beginning, the excerpt, you say, we live in times when marriage is under diabolical attack. In today's age, young men do not know how to pursue a woman chastely and purely. And nowadays, a young woman will give herself away to get love only to be used and hurt. We live in times when more people are cohabitating and postponing marriages than ever before. And as a result, young men and women wonder if there is such a thing as true love and whether it is worth fighting for. But there is a remedy for all of this called courtships. And then you go on to talk about the resemblance of the Trinitarian love, Christ's love for his church, holding nothing back that we are meant to do that, not to hold anything back from our spouses all the days of our life, and that can obtain perfection of love. Couples who madly love and sacrifice for each other lead their children to heaven. These couples become living icons of the Blessed Trinity, and their children cannot help being drawn into divine love when they experience their parents. I mean, that is like a poem. It's so beautiful. And then at the same time, feeling for so many Catholic singles who I know are lamenting, you know, just, is there anybody out there like that? Will I ever meet the person that God intended me to marry? And was was that the inspiration for this book? Or how would you respond to that? Because it really is an issue. It, it sounds like courtship and what you've analyzed is a big part of the answer to renewal. Yeah, definitely. I could, when I was growing up, you know, I didn't have a book like this, you know, to learn, you know, what is, what's appropriate? What what are the stages? And I think it's kind of like God put this book on my heart. And uh, obviously I was, you know, came across a lecture by Father Rippinger and, you know, he, he gave me permission to use, you know, some of his research on there. So I, I use his four stages and also out of my own struggles, you know, um, I was an RA at a Franciscan University in Steubenville and I just saw so many people that are looking for love and, and, and that desire on our hearts. And I felt like, like the Holy Spirit just said, you know, this is a book that can show people the ideal. You know, I'm going you know, to be a melancholic. You know, I kind of have this idealism of, you know, what we strive for. And so often we set the bar so low. And I think by seeing how these saints met their spouses, how they prepared for it, I think it, it just, it was very inspiring for me, even in my own marriage now. And I, I hope, you know, God willing someday, you know, my son, this will be a book that he, my, uh, will treasure as well. And you do have 25 saints, holy marriages, 25 holy marriages. And maybe you could talk about that a little bit. You have courtships that produce saints, martyred for love, courtships that transformed the church, saintly matchmakers. And so obviously in those 25, there is so much beauty and truth and goodness there. What jumped out at you most? I mean, why do you think these married saints were were the greatest exemplars of the sacrament of matrimony. Yeah, I think what, and originally when I wrote this book, I had, I was going to have modern day couples because I have some amazing stories. And then the publisher is like, let's focus on the saints. So all of these are saints. There's a couple that 
they're, they're saints in my eyes. They're not canonized. Like there's a story with Padre Pio who introduced a couple. It's just a beautiful story in there. So there's like one or two or three that are, uh, that are not saints, but maybe their children were saints, like, you know, Pope Benedict's parents, how they met each other. And I think the common theme throughout these stories is these, these souls, they loved God more than their spouse. They didn't look for, you know, for that perfection in their spouse. And it was always pointing towards God. And, and they were willing to, you know, a lot of them prepared, just, you know, they prepared for marriage, like we see today in the priesthood and in religious life. There's just so much preparation often today in marriage. You know, it's, it's only a few months or maybe less than a year. And I think these saints, the reason I chose them is because I think, in my opinion, they exemplify what it was, was true sacrificial love and true love. And they also, they just love their spouses madly. And you can see it um, throughout, you know, like the story of St. Elizabeth of Hungary. She would, when she'd come home and she'd just kiss her husband just several times, you know, and just this, this, uh, this love that pointed to the Trinity. Was it St. Elizabeth of Hungary? There was, I think it was, where she woke up or she came back from a trip and her husband had adorned her missal or her prayer book with jewels. I, I'm not sure if that was her or not, but I was like, oh my goodness, what what a romantic, because that was this beautiful sign from, you know, the spouse of I love you and I love our Lord. And, you know, these small gestures, well, it wasn't small, but, you know, magnanimous gestures of love. Yeah, definitely. I mean, she would come home and, and even said, like, she'd give him a thousand kisses. And I think often today, it's like, we feel like, oh, we, we're going to be kind of prudish with our spouses. And, you know, and I think our children, like, as I point out in this book, and even the stories I show, is like, these parents, they were so affectionate. And the love letters they wrote, like the love letters that Zelie and, and uh, Louis Martin, the parents of St. Therese, would write to each other, or St. Gianna to her spouse, like, you can just see that this love, it's partaking of that, you know, that verse Ephesians where it's like, you know, I'm going to love you like Christ loves the church. And that's what I think, you know, again, the whole purpose of this book was not just to help couples, you know, as a preparing for marriage, but also for married couples to see like the heights of what we're called to as, uh, as uh, married in couples. Patrick O'Hearn is with us. His new book is called Courtship of the Saints, How the Saints Met Their Spouses. It's an upcoming release. And I love in the section of the book near the back, you have questions. And it helps probe, I think, beyond, you know, infatuation, fascination, really valuable for singles discerning marriage and some very good examination questions. Maybe you could offer a few of those suggestions or advice of someone who's looking to meet a spouse and in what to ask themselves and consider. Yeah. And, uh, Tan gave me permission to use this, this one portion that has all these great questions and there was written by a priest. And, uh, but I think one of the things is your perspective companion, thoughtful of others has the power of self-discipline. You know, you're basically analyzing like the type of virtue. And that's, again, that's the whole difference between courtship and dating. I think you're looking at, is this person, gonna, do they have the ability to help me become a saint? And, you know, even just even for like the man, like, can she cook and make the house a home? I mean, these are simple questions, but often we're blinded by love and just, you know, the, the externals. And like, and you have to see like, is this person, are they going to make a great husband or a great wife to my children? And so those are some of the questions that I think uh, are very important that we often overlook. Well, how do you know if it's a workable, like, can she cook? And there used to be, and we talk about this all the time, you know, the different generational things that have kind of gone by the wayside or gotten lost, but girls used to have a hope chest. And so they would make 
whatever it would be, their lace or their items or things that they would collect for when they had a home. And then they would be an apprentice to their mothers. And when they then became a wife and their vocation, they would have the beginnings of that. Of course, that includes cooking and learning how to make those basic elements. But now it might not be until you come into that union where she's learning how to cook. So is that a deal breaker or is it maybe the willingness? I suppose that would be, are they amenable? Are they, is there a docility of spirit there? Definitely. And I think that the, the one question that I put in there, I mean, that was written 20 or 30 years ago, I think, but, but I definitely think that those are things, you know, as, as you see, like, are they willing? I think the most important thing is, are they willing, right? Are they willing to grow in virtue and, and looking at that? So obviously cooking wouldn't be a deal breaker, but it's interesting, you know, Pope Benedict's mom and dad, like he found that out recently, but his father put an ad in the Catholic newspaper. And one thing he asked for is like, I want a spouse that knows how to cook. And sure enough, Pope Benedict's mother was a, like a baker. So it's like God knew the desire of his heart. And I just I find that like to be very specific with God, you know, like this is the kind of spouse that I want. And uh, obviously the, those little things aren't the deal breakers, but they are they are important. Like that your spouse is willing and uh, wants to please you, you know, like, hey, this would mean a lot to me. And uh, so it goes anyways, it goes both ways. Yeah. And also, even though it is about courtship, I think married couples really, this is a book for them too, for, you know, they're included. You have a terrific section, just pearls of wisdom for cultivating virtue in relationship for the married couple, if maybe you could touch on that as well. Yeah. And, and one of the things I think it was partly inspired by Father Rippinger too, was you know, the idea of like, know thy enemy. We say know thyself, but I often, you know, when we're married, we think it's, you know, our spouse can, you know, the, the, like the devil put, pits us against our spouse and we, you know, we, we focus so much on them, but it's really the enemy is Satan. And he's trying to, you know, destroy our marriages. So that's one tip. And then just the, the idea of, you know, showing um, affection, I think throughout like words of signs of that affection, you know, when we pray the, you know, the Hail Mary, like, you know, I love you, Jesus, but it's the same, like, do we do the same thing with our spouse? And, and partly I wrote this to, to help me because, you know, I'm, I'm holding the standard up and I'm like, how can I become a better husband? So these little pearls of wisdom, I think, they, you know, they're definitely uh, uh, like an examination of conscience for myself. Yeah, I was going to ask, was is there a key? I'm sorry, that well, speaking of family, that's, that's my daughter Carolina here in uh, breaking into the studio. <laughs> And for those that have listened, she she is autistic, so sometimes she she just will yell out a song or garbage truck. So that's her checking in. But also, you as as you mentioned, being married and writing this book about courtship, and also studying the lives of the saints, and and what a joy it must have been to visit and revisit their lives. Was there a key point for you that was a bit of an aha moment, even though you are a husband and father and a very faithful man yourself, was there something that you'll take away from this that you worked on and learned? Yeah, I, th I think, you know, I was blessed to interview St. Gianna's daughter, uh, Gianna Mola uh, Emanuela, who's, in my opinion, like a living saint, just like her, her her mother, and I think her father will be canonized someday. I really believe it. And uh, just interviewing her and hearing her parents' story, I mean, she gave me so much information on that, on that for this book. And just to see in the way that her that they loved each other, you know, and you can see in some of the letters that I put in the book that she she supplied, and I think that just shows me like that you know that my courtship it, it begins in marriage in a sense, like you know we Father Rickard mentioned that's the fourth stage of courtship marriage, but throughout your whole life, like a man must constantly pursue his wife every day, 
And it's not just like, you know, on the, the anniversary or St. Valentine's Day, it's every single day. And I think it's just, again, for me to realize that that's what, when I'm going to be judged and final judgment, God's going to say, how, how much did you love your spouse? But at the same time, also loving Jesus more than I do my wife. So I think that's the challenge. And I love what you said, too, that it looks to eternity. It's not just the here and now. And that begins at courtship. Courtship looks to the future, to eternity. Does this person have virtue? Is this the best person to to lead me and God willing, you know, our children to heaven? And that is a serious answer, you know, question to, to contemplate and, and to work on. And really a gift, a gift to receive, because I think so many, when you're in that mode, you feel overwhelmed and lost and uncertain. And this is a really beautiful roadmap that gives us that guidance and those guardrails and that true north. So it's a beautiful effort. It needed to be written. And I know that it's not out yet, but when will Courtship of the Saints be out? Can you yeah. pre-order it now? You can pre-order it on Tan Books and Amazon. And I wanted to add one quick thing. is I was, I was talking to our, uh, our priest. You know, his parents come to our church and very holy, sons of very holy, and so the, and the parents are as well. And I asked them, what's the advice, you know, to raise your son to be, you know, a priest or religious? And he goes, the best thing I recommend is just love your wife. And I think that that's, throughout this book, it's the message is, is to come across is just love. You know, it's, it's really loving your spouse and waiting on true love. You know, we'll see in these stories, some of these people... It wasn't always love at first sight, and it took time. Sometimes it took like one courtship was like 10 years. And I think just falling in love with God and then through His grace, you know, we're able to better fall in love with others and, and wait on Him and wait on His plan. But He has a plan for, you know, that's what I say for all these single people that are listening out there, like God does have a plan and we have to trust and not give in to anxiety, but just and call upon these saints that like they want to help us find, you know, if we're called to marriage, they want to help us find our spouse. Amen. And to call upon the saints too. Such good advice and our guardian angels. And that is so rich and important. Patrick O'Hearn also want to mention your book, Parents of the Saints is fantastic. And that really ties into this as well. So I know that's, I have two copies actually, both are highlighted and dog-eared. Very, very good book. So this, again, this new release is Courtship of the Saints, How the Saints Met Their Spouses. As you mentioned, it's available for pre-order, Parents of the Saints as well. Well done. Thank you so much, Patrick. Thanks for having me, Brooke. God bless you. God bless you. Quick break and then jumping into the home, the family, the beauty of liturgical living. Kendra Turney from Catholic All Year will be joining us. I'm Brooke Taylor in for Kale Clark. The studio line is open. one 914 is the number to call. Join the conversation here on Relevant Radio and the app. Stay with us. More to come. We'll be right back. So you can explain it to others. It's the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. As we prepare our hearts, our flowers to honor Our Lady in the month of May, we look at May crowning and some of the feasts. I want you to hear an old throwback nostalgic song. See if this brings back any memories. Take a listen. Oh, 
is Nan Merriman singing one of the most beautiful Marion May hymns. A little bit of a tearjerker, too. Instant nostalgia, good old days. And we are less than a week away from the month of May. May, one of two months dedicated to the Blessed Virgin Mary. The other is October, the month of the Rosary. But of course, in May, we have Mother's Day and the Feast of Our Lady of Fatima. And our next guest is such a gift in aiding us with simple but beautiful ideas to celebrate the solemnities. She is Kendra Turney, founder of the ministry Catholic All Year and author of the Catholic All Year Compendium, Liturgical Living for Real Life. Welcome to the program, Kendra. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. It's so nice to have you in preparation and so many feast days coming up. Of course, we just had Easter, we had Divine Mercy, and we've got some really fun feasts coming up. And I want to spend a lot of time on May especially. But let's start with today. Uh, Today is the Feast of St. Mark, and you talk about St. Mark and liturgical living and the preparation that he is a scribe, evangelist, and naked guy in the Bible. (laughs) That's right. Can Can you tell us more? Yeah, so um, in the story in the Bible where uh, uh, in, uh, when they're in the garden, the par- part, uh, part of the story that it's really kind of easy to skip over, but every time, you know, my, my kids notice it, they talk about that there's somebody who one of the guards grabs him and he runs off and his tunic that he's wearing like unravels and he runs off without it. And it's in the, the gospel of, uh, of Mark and he, it's considered that it, it's understood that it is St. Mark himself that, that is this, what they call the naked fugitive in the Bible <laughs> runs off. Don't Google <laughs> naked fugitive. Don't do it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's just, it's this funny. I, I, I just love funny little moments like that in the, in the Bible that, and I, I think, you know, talking with kids about about things like that, I think really makes these these historical stories that you know that that we read about. It really makes them memorable and 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 you know it, it makes it feel real because it's something that you would have sat around and talked about with your friends. It's like, did you hear what happened to Mark? (laughs) It's true. And that's, I think, how it sticks. And you as a mom of 10, you've you've been around doing this for a long time. It's just so embedded in the cadence and the rhythm of, of your lives, the feast days, the liturgical year, and also integrating it into your travels. You talk about in the book with the Feast of St. Mark that you were there in Venice. You were there at St. Mark's Basilica and using that as part of your instruction and from forming your your cuisine then when you come home and you talk about St. Mark and you have a dinner. And I love that too. It really does. We celebrate so much of our lives with food. And of course, different cultures have different expressions and recipes, but that's the beauty of the body of Christ as Catholics. We all get to enjoy, whether it's, you know, St. Teresa of Calcutta, often we have Indian food and, and talk about her ministry among the ports of the poor in Calcutta. But also here, St. Mark, I know for you guys, it's stuffed cabbage rolls. So can you talk about how that ties into dinner tonight and the Feast of St. Mark? Yeah. So the funny story about about the Basilica of St. Mark in Venice, which it is this absolutely stunning edifice. The, the building is so beautiful and it has these mosaics covering, you know, along the outside of the building that show the story of of St. Mark's life. 
And as we're looking there, we're trying to figure out, okay, because I, you know, I was not as familiar with, uh, you know, with the lives of the saints and, and we're looking, we're trying to figure out what, what could this story be? Because it's, um, it's these sailors and they're looking in these barrels and they're like hiding their eye. The, the, uh, you know, the people who look like Muslims are, are like shunning the, the, uh, the barrels and uh, and it turns out that this is how they smuggled the bones, uh, the the relics of St. Mark um, out of the city of Alexandria after the Muslim conquest is that they uh, they went in and took the relics and they hid them in a barrel of pork so that the Muslim uh, guards wouldn't search through uh, search through the barrels. So, you know, hidden, wow. hidden a barrel of, of pork. So, um, so that's how they got the relics of St. Mark to Venice, and he's the patron of the city. So, I mean, Incredible. any pork, uh, any, any pork uh, recipe would, would be fun. But I love that because it's in your book. You have the story, then you have the recipe. And then from there, our creative mind goes. You can do any number of things. And that's one of the beautiful things I love. I think it's cooperation with the Holy Spirit. And then there are times where it's like, oh, my goodness, we have sports or we have this. I forgot it's this feast day. And, you know, to be able to go to your book is is just fantastic because we can we can rely on that also. And also plan ahead if we're able, just looking at the calendar next Next week, we begin a new month. It's going to be May 1st. And the entire month is dedicated to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And one of the things I, I love, Maria Von Trapp talks about this in, in her book, is they had a, a statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and they would move it or a family would move it to their grand piano. And then throughout the entire month, the children would bring flowers that they had picked on their way home from school. And I was sharing this with my mom. And she had the most beautiful story about she has a pink vase in her home and it's from her childhood. My mom is a widow now, so she lives alone. She has this pink vase and my grandparents had 10 children and it was a rare memory when my grandma would take my mom, Joan, for any one-on-one time, but they would do this in May and they would go to the field and they would pick violets and they would put them in this pink vase and fill it. And then she would present that before Our Lady, her own little pink vase with violets. And all these years later, my mom still has that pink vase and loves that memory of being able to share that tradition with her mom of going into the field and picking these flowers for Our Lady. And you just realize these traditions are simple. They're not expensive. They're not elaborate, but they do require presence and and reverence. And I think that's, again, like the creative part. It's not necessarily something that has to be complicated, but it's just doing, you know, something that will honor Our Lady. And you go into the beautiful method of the May crowning, and we can do this formally in churches or schools, but also informally in our homes. And maybe you could lead us through that. I know you have some great videos too, one that I saw about how to make a a May crown on your Catholic All Year website, but take us through that if you would. Yeah, absolutely. And and I just couldn't agree more with with how you're presenting it that it's it's this idea of sort of taking taking those those moments that we want to spend with our kids, that we want to spend with our families and making them meaningful, making dinner a little bit more meaningful because you know, because we're having these these conversations about important things and and the beautiful thing about the liturgical year being that it comes around again and again and we're able to really sort of cement those those truths and those traditions and those habits 
and our kids are able to experience them in a different way as, they, as they're growing older. And we have so many beautiful memories in our family of, of a May crowning. And sometimes they're, you know, we do a bigger one with, with everybody at our homeschool group. But then we also do this smaller one just in our home and we move our, our big sort of garden statue of Our Lady. We move her inside into our dining room and sort of make a little throne for her um, in, the, in the corner of the dining room and, and like you said, present flowers to her. Um, but as far as the actual May crowning, uh, the traditional, uh, you'll sometimes see in, in churches that they'll crown her with a little, you know, dedicated gold crown. But the, the traditional thing to do in homes, and that's, that's a little more accessible for, for families, is to just to make a crown of flowers. And you can do that. Uh, it's easiest to use a flexible thin wire and create um, a, you know, just multi-layer and sort of weave it around a little bit and leave openings so you can just stick whatever fresh flowers and greenery that you can find in your yard in there. Uh, if you have, especially if you have somebody who made uh, her first communion this year, we, um, anybody who made their first communion in our homeschool group gets to sort of be the, the color guard as it were sort of for Mary, but, um, but somebody gets chosen to be the May crown, I, uh, to, to be the May queen and crown the statue. Uh, I am fortunate enough to have, uh, plenty of daughters, but, uh, but if you don't, you can, uh, you know, mom could crown her or, uh, if, uh, if you have a young gentleman who wanted to do it, I think that that would probably be fine too. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really simple. You make, you, you know, put the statue somewhere, whether it's inside or outside, that's going to be meaningful to your family. You make a crown of some sort and, uh, sing a Marian hymn, walk up and put the crown on Mary and then try to keep it on there. We'll replace it. Um, you know, as the flowers start getting wilty, sometimes we'll replace it with, uh, a crown that has paper flowers. So that'll last longer. Um, but yeah, so simple. And like you said, not costly, but, but meaningful and memorable because it comes back around year after year. Yeah, I, I love that. And also too, again, like with the creativity, you're, you're just getting the wheels turning here. But I know like with my mom, the funny thing is, I don't know if it was like, there was a blurb of a few decades where uh, we didn't do as many things at, at the home. And I think that I'm not blaming my mom. I think that for a lot of our families, it's like, oh, I didn't know about this. And that's part of the beauty. I think of, I remember years ago, stumbling upon your blog when everybody blogged. And now we do have all of these different ways through social media and even here through Relevant Radio to be able to recover and restore these beautiful traditions that may have been forgotten or, you know, kind of relegated to grandparents. But now we're able to bring them forth again. And we have a responsibility to restore the collective memory. This is our origin and our heritage. And it's so beautiful. And it's exciting because, again, the simplicity of it in the month of May and all that it presents. And even thinking about when I was younger, I remember seeing my mom and my grandma and for Mother's Day, they would have a corsage. And that used to be the thing. The ladies would have hats and corsages. And yesterday, Jimmy Mitchell was on with us talking about the, the transcendental of 
beauty, the Christian transcendental beauty and how beauty has the power to evangelize. And, and in our culture, sometimes it's difficult to agree on goodness and truth, but beauty, most of us still, we agree on a beautiful sunset or something that takes our breath away with the, you know, the power of the ocean. And the same thing with the beauty of femininity, flowers and a beautiful dress. And that, again, it doesn't have to be expensive, but these are small touches. And so the last few years, we started doing corsages for Mother's Day. And I know that that's something that you appreciate too. And even for the young men, we had uh, Mr. Anderson on, a history teacher, and he started the Society of Hoban Gentlemen. And he talked about how these young men, for the first time, would be fitted for a dress shirt. And that's what they would wear. They would wear their suit and dress up for the May crowning at the high school. They would be the volunteers to carry Our Lady in procession. And it sounds like, and I know that you do for your family as well, that you do encourage these acts of beauty to dress up for different occasions. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that, uh, you know, there's there's that uh, C.S. Lewis quote that, you know, remember that that they are animals and you know, what they, what they do affects how they feel. I, I'm, I'm uh, quoting that wrong, but, but it, <laughs> it really is. It's, it makes a difference. Our body position, it makes a difference what we're wearing. Um, it, it affects the, the outward expression of our piety. It, it uh, affects how we experience it inward. And so when we dress up for a special dinner, when we dress up for a May crowning, when we dress up for mass, it just reinforces for ourselves and those around us that this is something that's special. It's important. And, you know, when we, when we, uh, you know, kneel uh, before the blessed sacrament, when we, um, you know, genuflect before we get into the pew, when, when we, you know, walk in procession with, with a statue of our lady, um, it, it there it's just such a sort of visceral way to to reinforce these things that we believe and to help us understand them. And I think that Catholics have always been really good at that part. And you know, like you were saying, it's been you know for fifty, a hundred years uh, in some cases that that we were sort of stepping away from from these traditions. And I think that it was you know, there was this push for ecumenicalism and, and I think that it probably came from a good place, but I think that the fruits of it have not been, been what people wanted. And one of sort of my, the taglines of my website is, you know, keep Catholicism weird. We want, <laughs> we want to keep our weird, interesting, meaningful traditions. Let's, let's hold tight to those because they really do teach us important truths through you know, through these actions, through these traditions, through these meals, it all, it, you know, it, 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 we, we, we hold tight to those because, because they, there's such a long, long history, hundreds and thousands of years of people doing, of Catholics doing traditions like this that help us, um, you know, that help us to understand it, even when it's something as silly as, as we're going to have pork for dinner and we're going to talk about what happened to St. Mark, but but that's going to be memorable. We're going to understand why. And, you know, and, and this reverence at our parishes and reverence in our homes for Our Lady, that's, that's memorable. And that reminds us that we can run to her if we're going to honor her with flowers the same way we would honor our mother on Mother's Day. 
it reminds us that we can run to her when we need to, that we have recourse to her when, you know, like we would to our, to our own mothers. Beautiful. Yes. And I'm giggling because there is a song about Philomena and our oldest is 21 and he, he's a firefighter and he's a, but he still will sing the song about Philomena. And in the song, it's a, it's a ballad. It's, it's a very melodic, beautiful song, but it talks about her martyrdom and how she was pierced with arrows. <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness, <laughs> only Catholics, only yes. Catholics would we Keeping sing this, you know, as a hymn. <laughs> but I'm telling you of all the things in our culture, that's the thing, you know, one of the things that has remained in his heart is he remembers the story through the song. And it's a beautiful song. Our whole family, we still sing it frequently. And you also have music in here. And of course, we know that's a big part of the home. And I have, again, we were talking about the Maria Von Trapp book, and she wrote a book about liturgical living as well. But that was a musical family, and that's something we struggle with. We do have guitar and piano and things in the home, and that's an important thing to build, again, the beauty, the culture of literature, of music, and the things that are, I suppose, the, the humanities and the liberal arts. But not all of us are musical, but you still say, you know, you can you can learn these hymns that really do need to, a lot of the Latin hymns that when I remember one Latin, uh, one Lent, we had a contest to see, okay, who we could learn the Paternoster together. And there is something about learning with melody. You can find the melody of the Paternoster, the Our Father prayer in Latin on YouTube. And we learned it together as a family. And you talk about singing Immaculate Mary, Hail Mary, Gentlewoman, Hail Holy Queen, especially maybe if you're a convert and didn't grow up with these hymns, I think it's a really beautiful way to gently foster this devotion to Our Lady, like you said, and she is our mother, and to to do that in a way that brings that culture into the home. But what if you're not musically inclined? Do we just go for it anyway? Do you have any words of wisdom? Just play it on the, on the um, you know, an app. What would be your suggestion? Yeah, I would, I would say that for sure I am coming to this from a place of not being musical and not being good at singing. <laughs> my kids go to, my, my older kids go to a beautiful classical Catholic um, school that has a excellent tradition of singing. And so they have been taught to sing hymns beautifully. And that's, so I really appreciate it. But um, we have a, uh, we did about, we did six episodes of a liturgical living TV show for Formed. And on the Holy Thursday episode, we sing Tantum Ergo at the end of the episode. And that's what we do in our home. And I know I'm not a great singer and I just do it anyway because I figure, you know, God doesn't mind. He, he knows what I sound like. It's okay. Well, recording that with, you know, mic packs and I'm watching back the first <laughs> cut of this episode. I'm like, oh no, what are we going to do? <laughs> we, can't, we can't put this out for everyone to have to listen to me singing the Tantum Ergo. So they were able to turn me way down and turn the kids way up. Um, but I, I think that some of it, you know, maybe, maybe we don't have to inflict it on everyone on a TV show, but <laughs> in my home, I think it's okay to, you know, to embrace our limitations and sing anyway. Um, Capital yes. Year has a, uh, we just came out a couple of months ago with this very cute little, um, uh, beginner piano hymn book. And so we've got it and my, my kids know a little bit of piano and they can, uh, you know, plunk through it, but it's, it's just a, um, I do think that it's, 
it's such a big part of Catholic tradition, these, this, this beautiful music and, and to be, you know, to be willing to, uh, to give it a go, even if it's not something that comes uh, naturally to one. <laughs> and yeah, like you yes. said, just, you can play, you can find, uh, you know, the hymns on, on YouTube and Spotify. And uh, we learned the Regina uh, Chaley uh, uh, Gregorian chant this year uh, in for, because that uh, traditionally replaces the Angelus at noon during the Easter season. So we decided we're going to learn not, not we've done the prayer version in the past, but we decided we'd learn the, the uh, chant version this year. And we just found it on YouTube and listened to it a few times. And now we have that in Latin in our repertoire, and uh, um, but yeah, so it's we, we do have so and it's, many it's, options for learning. And I, and I love your resources. CatholicAllYear.com is the website. When we come back, I want to get to the liturgical year box because you are just offering so many resources that are lifelong and so helpful. So we'll talk about that. If you have a story, I want to open the phone lines of a tradition. It could be about a, a Mary Garden or a May crowning or a memory that you have of embracing your faith through the beautiful traditions of <laughs> keeping Catholic weird. one 914 is the number to call. Join the conversation here on Relevant Radio and the app. We have Kendra Turney with us. We're talking about Catholic All Year. That's her website and book. My name is Brooke Taylor in for Kale Clark. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Explaining the Catholic faith and how you can live it and share it too. It's Kale Clark on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Kale Clark Show. It's Brooke Taylor filling in for Kale again today and tomorrow, too. Sean Patrick Flannery will be here on Wednesday. He plays the lead role in the movie Nefarious. You may have heard about it. You may have seen the film. Really looking forward to that conversation. And also, Dr. Ryan Topping will join us to share his observations, his ideas as well, for evangelizing the nuns. And we're talking N-O-N-E-S, not N-U-N-S. And these are those who identify uh, as having no religion, no faith. And he is the director of Benedict XVI Institute for the New Evangelization and at Newman Theological College in Edmonton, Canada. He's a philosopher, and he's the author of a new book called Thinking as Though God Exists, Newman on Evangelizing the Nuns. Really powerful. Really looking forward to that conversation tomorrow, too. And a really good discussion earlier in the show. If you missed it, Patrick O'Hearn was here talking about the difference between courtship and dating. And that will be out on the podcast. You can catch all of the Kale Clark episodes, all the shows here on Relevant Radio, if you go where podcasts are heard at also the Kale Clark show page as well. And now we're talking about traditions, liturgical living, and the month of May dedicated to the Blessed Mother and all mothers. The, the Catholic All-Year Compendium, Liturgical Living for Real Life, is the book we've been touching on. Father Rocky, CEO of Relevant Radio, has an endorsement on the back. He says, the book will help your family rediscover the richness of ordinary life as you mark the rhythm of the seasons by the cadence of the feasts of the church. And the author, Kendra Turney is with us. And Kendra, I know that th this book is just one piece. That's a big piece, but how you've come alongside families in your apostolate. But you also have this subscription box, too, that we touched on. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, thank you so much. 
the the book is is really where I share all of these ideas for how that how we actually celebrate the liturgical year in my home, and I I know that it can feel intimidating to people when they read it because that's how I felt when I read you know the books that you were mentioning before like uh, the, like Marie von Trapp's Liturgical Living in the Home book around the year of the Trapp family. There's another old one called The Year in Our Family by Mary Reed Newland. And, you know, so I hear that people have sometimes have the same reaction that I did when I read those books. Like, wow, this sounds great. I'd really like to do it. I don't know how to make that happen in my house. And so uh, the, you know, the blog, our videos and our, you know, our website, we're always trying to create resources that, that allow people to give this a try. And one of the things is this liturgical living uh, subscription box where we send um, home decor, crafts, foods, recipes, um, activities, uh, and, you know, the devotional items, just things for three different feast days for each month um, as a way to, you know, sort of take that off of your plate so that you can just open up a box and, and observe at least three of these feast days. And I tell people, you know, it is, I, I know it's a, it's a stretch for people right now to, to afford a subscription box. Um, but, but I tell people, if you just get it for a couple of months, you can see, oh, here's the kind of things that, um, you know, that we could do in the home. And then you can take over and do it yourself. Or you might find that you prefer us to do it for you. Um, but we have so much fun putting together the boxes and the kids and I prototype all of the stuff. Um, so it's really, it's stuff that we actually do and use in my home. And, and also it's just a way to kind of see how this might look in your home. So it's catholicallyear.com. And then there's a, yes. there's a link for the liturgical box. You know, in so many ways, you are a remarkable woman of God, mom of 10, you know, from your vocation, your gifts in ministry, but, but now also this new stage of life. And I know we just have a few minutes left, but in July of 2022, your husband of 20 years, Jim, passed away long battle, I know, with metastatic melanoma. And, and I share this because every day at Relevant Radio, we are reminded that we are a family. We pray for each other, the rosary, the chaplet, one another's intentions. And I really think that, you know, Jim's podcast, his blog, the things that you share may also help minister to people. Do you mind if if you touch on that as well? That's Is that in your about section or where can people also follow that journey that I think is really important and a big part of your story and your faith? Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, if you click on the about section of my blog, there's, there's, you know, sort of an explanation of my, of my family. And then up along the top, there's, uh, it says Fortitude Nay blog. And that's uh, my husband, Jim's blog of uh, the last few years of his journey with, uh, with cancer. And uh, I mean, he, he was really a remarkable human being, really good husband, a really good dad. Um, and he, you know, he really approached um, uh, uh, approached the having cancer with you know with humor and grace, and um, uh, the <clears throat> um, it it ends a little bit the it, it doesn't go into to the very end. I do have um, I've got a talk that uh, that's on my I think it's on forms and on my YouTube channel um, where I you know go into a little bit more on the on the actual on his you know last days, but. 
Um, I, I know relevant radio and Father Rocky, who, who was a friend of, uh, is a friend of mine and was a friend of Jim's. I, I know that, uh, you know, people were praying for us and we were, we're so grateful. And I really do feel like there were so many graces that were poured out um, on our family um, as a result of, of those prayers. And we were really fortunate to be able to experience what a sort of sacramental Catholic death looks like that, um, you know, we, my husband was surrounded by his loved ones. He received the, um, you know, his last, his last real conversation was with um, our good friend, Father Matt, who heard his confession. The last food that he ate was the Eucharist when our pastor, Father Gonzalez came um, and he received the last rites and um, the last word that he said was actually to, to Father Gonzalez when he asked, you know, do you want to receive the Eucharist? And he said, yes. And that's the last thing he said. Um, so there are so many, there are so many consolations that go into, you know, we were talking about living the liturgical year as these, these traditions and these actions and these prayers, all these sort of tools that we can have in our toolbox based on the saints and the seasons and the liturgical year. Um, and we have those same tools um, that, that Catholics have for dealing with, with death. And, you know, I, I just think it's so important to know about them and to be able to use those. Um, and, uh, it, it, you know, when, when the time comes, because it, you know, it comes for everyone. Um, yeah. yeah. And we, we just, it, we were fortunate, I think in, um, you know, in, in being able to experience in the, in the way that we did. Well, I, I mean, you remind us that the greatest catechism, we're talking about liturgical living here, and the greatest catechism is not the one we necessarily open up or we teach from or we lecture about, but the one that we live. And uh, you are a beautiful witness, your family. So God bless you. We we will enfold you. We have our, our rosary coming up after trending with Timory and enfolding you in those mysteries today, the sorrowful mysteries. And we thank you. The book is The Catholic All-Year Compendium, Liturgical Living for Real Life. CatholicAllYear.com is the website. Kendra Turney, thank you so much. Thank you. It was great to talk. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you to both my guests, Patrick O'Hearn. His upcoming book is called Courtship of the Saints, How the Saints Met Their Spouses. And we just heard from Kendra Turney. You can find her again at CatholicAllYear.com. Thank you to producer Jim Schraper, Patrick Alog on phones. My name is Brooke Taylor in for Kale. Timory is up next with Trending. God bless you. St. Mark the Evangelist, pray for us.